They're giving away a bunch of free tickets for the student section, and then they're giving the people in the 200, 300 seats down to the lower bowls to get things going. But the Badgers, they got a little win. Well, there wasn't a lot of drama, but the Badgers get a win last night, 64-52 over the Iowa Hawkeyes. We did not get a Fran freakout. Are a little disappointed in that? No, uh, I, I mean, Fran, there wasn't really anything Fran could be upset about. No. You know what I mean? Like, the only reason the game was close in the beginning, in my opinion, is because Wisconsin was turning the ball over like oh, crazy in the first half. Turnovers. His team just didn't make anything. I think they had two three-pointers the whole game. Like, Wisconsin didn't look great. No. They didn't shoot the ball well. But Iowa could not hit anything, regardless if it was, you know, being double teamed or wide open. It didn't matter. Iowa couldn't hit any baskets. And nothing, nothing was more clear than when Iowa at the end of the game was down by double digits and they're taking open threes, like wide open threes, open, like short jump shots. Couldn't make a thing. Wisconsin actually heated up. For, for what it means to heat up in that type of game. <laughs> they got hot with like, what, 10 minutes left in the game, actually started knocking down some threes. I think it was uh, a siege in Klesmet hit back-to-back threes. Yeah, right on that two- corner. Oh, that corner was hot. Wisconsin finally started to make shots, and they were just they yeah. were just better than Iowa. Yeah. Neither team was great. Wisconsin was, was just, just better. better than how bad Iowa was. Yeah, nice to see Connor Asijan bounce back. I mean, he went 0 for 10 on the field uh, against Rutgers on Saturday. I mean, he's still struggling. He's not 38.5%, but he did finish with a team-high 17 points. And, you know, Wisconsin can be offensively challenged at times. His aggressiveness was nice. Also, um, Tyler Wall was putting the, the, a little display of rebounding on. He was dominating the boards. Uh, over the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, Chucky Hepburn putting some points in. And the the refereeing, really, I don't know if they're out to get Stephen Crowell or if Big Steve was just a victim of, you know, wrong place, wrong time, as he was very limited in uh, his time just because of foul trouble. Yeah, obviously Tyler Wall had the big game for one for the big men down low for Wisconsin. Uh, that was probably one of his best games since that ankle injury outside of the Welcome back, Tyler Wall, Greg Gard quote. Yeah. But now he's had two good games really since coming back, and it's kind of been a little bit here since that ankle injury was a thing. But how about Carter Gilmore? Dude. When 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 St- uh, Stephen Crowell was on Carter. the bench. 26 minutes. He picked up two, he picked up two fouls in like right. the first four and a half minutes. How about the turnaway jumper? For Carter Gilmore that went. Dude. Didn't have that on the bingo card. Well, I mean, do you have much of a Carter Gilmore bingo card? How about Isaac Lindsay getting two points as well? (laughs) That guy's got the greenest light in America. Uh, I saw, because when the game was on, I'll go and check the box score once in a while. Box score said Isaac Lindsay, zero minutes, two points. I was like, this guy, once he touches that ball, it's got to go up. Like, he's got to shoot it immediately. But yeah, Carter Gilmore rowdy. And if big you, minutes from Gilmore. If you don't count all of the guys that checked into the ball game with like 30 seconds left for the Badgers, yeah. but the Isaac Lindsay's of the world, the Jordan Davises of the world, like all the guys that played actual minutes, not the last 30 <laughs> seconds in the game where you're just going to sit on it. The bench actually helped out last yeah, night. Like they, they gave good minutes last night. Now I think it helps a lot when... Iowa can't hit the broad side of a barn. Correct. I mean, did you see they were flashing up the statistics on the game about uh, the worst three-point shooting 
in Fran McCaffrey's tenure at Iowa. <sighs> the top two games are now against Wisconsin. Wisconsin always has Iowa's 2021. Number. Iowa shot just 10% from three against Wisconsin. And now in this game, it was 10.7%. It's crazy. I mean, Iowa, just Wisconsin owns Iowa. They swept them this year, obviously. It's the first time since I think the 2018-19 season that they swept them. Uh, Wisconsin... I mean, would you consider it stifling defense? I mean, I would say for a while, but then Iowa, maybe <laughs> Iowa was got flustered. a lot of missed shot. Like, Iowa had a lot of good looks. That's why yeah. I think Fran McCaffrey didn't freak out is because Iowa was getting what they wanted. They just couldn't make anything. I wanted a Fran freak out so bad. He never really got that no, animated. He never got, he never got heated. It, it was kind of disappointing. He must have been listening to the show. He's like, I'm going to show these guys that I'm not just a lunatic on the fringe. But yeah, I mean, it would, and check this out. Wisconsin's fifth double-digit victory of the season for the Badgers, their first since December 30th. Last night was February 22nd. It was their... It was their they hadn't had a double-digit victory since December 30th. It's February 22nd last night. Crazy. Yeah, uh, and I uh, saw that victory again. Like I said, I just looked it up. 2018-19 season the last time uh, Wisconsin swept Iowa. Wisconsin also beaten the Hawkeyes three straight times for the first time since beating them six straight between 2013 and 2016. There's something about the Hawkeyes that we just, we just got I, on them. I like how when... So I was watching the Big Ten Network for before because it was Maryland and Minnesota. Yeah. I was kind of flicking back and forth between a couple of games. Man, every single thing that you saw for March Madness projections, because, you know, we were talking about how Ken Palm had him 70th. Joe Lenardi had him the last team in. Yeah. Bracket, uh, Bleacher Report had him as the last team out. There was another guy on Fox <laughs> where he had them as the last team in. Then there was another a contributor on Fox that had him as the last team out. Yes, Turned yes. on ESPN and they had him right there. Almost like It depends on whatever publication you were looking at. Yep. Pretty much had them. Last team in or last team out? Well, Rowdy, I have the new bubble watch. Uh, I'm going to Joe Lunardi, NCAA Bracketology, and there it is. The last team in, your Wisconsin Badgers. Now, Lunardi only updates his pretty much at the beginning of the week. Yeah, uh, this this was uh, updated... Oh, yeah, you're right, Rowdy. Sorry, the 21st. Now, Ken Palm updates his every single day just because it's Did they do it after computer. the game last night? Yeah, Wisconsin went from 70th to 64th. Okay, so they're in. All right, they're, they're the first four or last four in then. As they have for Lunardi, it's Wisconsin still as 11th seed against USC. Uh, before it was Wisconsin as 11th seed against Clemson, I do believe. But again, as Rowdy did make it clear, uh, he only updates his at the beginning of the week. So Wisconsin now 64th on Ken Palm. Yep. <laughs> One behind Ohio State. It's going to be, this is, this is, there's 17, how about this? 17 days until Selection Sunday. A week, two weeks and some change. How about that, dude? 17 days until Selection Sunday. Wisconsin, we're going to have this dance for 17 days of, you know, are they in or are they out? Well, now you look at Wisconsin. Like pokey pokey. And they're eight and nine in the Big Ten. Obviously, Iowa falls to nine and eight. If Iowa, if if Wisconsin can somehow play one game better than Iowa, they're going to pass them in the standings. Yeah, they now have an opportunity on Sunday to beat Michigan. Now, Michigan's been a team that's very up and down this year. We've talked about that pretty much the day leading up to the game of against Michigan at the Kohl Center. Yep. If they can somehow find a win there again. 
they're just one game uh, behind Michigan. They could essentially jump both Iowa and Michigan with a little bit of help and beating Michigan on the road. Then if you just take care of business against Minnesota, Wisconsin somehow found those three wins. <laughs> I mean, Purdue's the biggest one. Michigan's a question mark because it's on the road, right? I feel like I'm already chalking Purdue up as an L. I don't know how they're going to compete with that team. Well, who beat who beat Purdue? Was it was it the Purdue lost two straight? Who the hell was Northwestern? It? Yeah, what's they're better than the Badgers? Clearly, they swept yeah. they swept Wisconsin. Uh, who was the other? Was it Iowa? I'll have to go look. It was someone that we were like, I can't believe they beat them. Uh, let's see here. Indiana beat Purdue on the four, February fourth. Northwestern, uh, Maryland, they beat Purdue on the sixteenth. Yeah, but all those teams are like all those teams are locked into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, Purdue before Wisconsin will have to play Indiana. They'll play Indiana on Saturday at home, so Purdue will take them on a West Lafayette, and then look at the back. How about this? Purdue plays Indiana on Saturday, and then they wait all the way till Thursday to take on Wisconsin. They almost have a whole week to prepare for Wisconsin. So it, Bucky, they got to get it. You know, a couple more wins here. We're going to keep doing this. Are they in? Are they out? Dance. It's like the hokey pokey, but with the Wisconsin Badgers. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, man, this is just, all right, Rowdy. Let's go to the phones. Nothing's struggling today with the weather. Line one. Good morning. Good morning, Terry from the north side. The king. I could feel it was you, Terry. What's going on, Terry? Well, first of all, if guard wins the next three, then let's build him a statue, Okay. Let's get this ego, whatever guy. Let's get him out there next to Alvarez and Richter and have all three of them out there shaking hands. <laughs> I don't think you anyone's know? calling for that. <laughs> well, listening, I'll be honest with you. We're fighting for it to be the number 64th team in the country. Yeah, this is like the Cubs being 25 games out with 21 to go. Well, you'd rather be in than out, Ter. Well, I'm going to tell you what. And what I've seen, and I don't, come, and Nelson, I disagree with. I don't think Purdue is that good. I think the Big Ten is that bad. And, and I would not surprise me, and I'm thinking about making this wager if there is one I can find, that the Big Ten is going to be out the first weekend. All of every, every single Big team. Every team will be out the first weekend. Everyone. Everyone. From Purdue all the way down. What have they had last night on TV? Eight, eight teams going to the tournament right now before last night's game? Yeah, they what had them projected that eight, yes. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, Iowa projected as an eight seed. Did I, or did I read that wrong? I think they were a six seed according yeah, to the broadcast right last night. Oh, look, right who here. was eight? Wasn't there two eights? Uh, Michigan State, I think, was an eight. And oh, you're testing my memory from that so image. I, I just have bracketology up for Joel Lunardi. Michigan State, he has as a seven seed, but I think they did say an eight seed last night. They have Iowa as an eight seed. Now, this was on Monday when they updated it. Uh, Purdue's a one seed. Uh, Illinois is a seven seed. Indiana is a four seed. Rutgers is a nine seed. Uh, right now, Wisconsin 11 for a playing game. Uh, I'm just kind of browsing at terror. So no, I'm just curious. I'm just going Northwestern's a six seed. Right. Maryland's a seven seed. That's just, and that's Joe Lonardi. When he, he just updates it, you know, beginning of each week. Northwestern goes out, it's going to be a tough game. I think, um, I think they're a second, um, well, you know, the Thursday, Saturday, Friday. Yeah. Friday, they got whatever. Northwestern and Columbus taking on Oral Roberts. Who doesn't like some Oral Terror? You know, that may be a pretty competitive game. You know, because Northwestern, you know, the Big Ten ain't going to blow anybody out. And again, you, you know, Guard definitely should win two, win the at Michigan and at Minnesota. The two last road games should be gimmies. 
If if Guard loses those games, I'm serious. We've all admitted Michigan's got the worst coach. No, oh, he's he's Michigan awful. He can't even shake a hand. That's how bad he no, is. No, he's terrible. How can you lose to that team? Because <laughs> they're because they they're worse. They suck. Yeah, they do suck. And so, in Minnesota, they couldn't beat most teams in Dane County. <laughs> really? You talk about a college. <laughs> they're guy. terrible, Terry. They're that was pretty bad, bad last terrible. night. I mean, I don't know what'd be going on. I mean, the intention. If you would swear if a team was ever playing for the number one pick in the draft, Minnesota would have to be rated there. Now I know they have a new coaching staff, but you, you think it'd be a little better than? Oh, the new coaching staff is on year two. Yeah, this is their second year. I watched them last night for a while, and they made um, who they got Penn State. Maryland looked like a national championship team. I mean, that was horrible. Ever. The passing, the passing lanes. I mean, you had guys passing. Oh yeah, the, the golfers are the golfers are bad. They're, and that's why I say, Wisconsin's guaranteed to. There's no way. There's no way they lose at Michigan. There's no way they'll lose at Minnesota, and there's no way they're going to lose to Purdue. Cause again, uh, they'll play Purdue tough at home. Again, I don't think Purdue is that good. I, I think don't. it'll be a close game. I'm excited to see what you happens. You guys will both enjoy this. Minnesota, obviously the worst Big Ten team. Ken Palm's got them 223rd Ooh. in the country, right around Robert Morris, Northern Arizona, LaSalle, Murray State, North Florida. Oh, there you go. Madison Eastwood ranked higher than Minnesota. <laughs> That's a nice little group of teams right there. They That's tough. That's really tough. College, they can't be recruiting you know, I don't know who they're recruiting. I don't. Well, I know the Badgers obvious. steal all the best players out of the state of Minnesota, so they, they ain't even get their own Minnesotans. You know, it's just, and I don't see how Wisconsin can lose to them in football. I just don't get it. I mean, when you oh, lose, it's a little different. When you lose to those teams, that's coaching because you've got more talent. See, that's yeah. the part that bothers me about this. You know, we always again, you hear a coach when we lose. Well, we got to play harder. They take no personal responsibility. None. It's always the players. The players. You know, and they win because of the players, but they lose because of the players. It's like, why? Why are you even there then? If we don't need you, you know what? They're just collecting a check, money? Terry. Just collecting a check. God damn it! Well, I, I hate to say it, but I think that's true in a lot of cases, especially in the big, big ten. I mean, Minnesota coach can't do any coaching at all. PJ Fleck, he's or, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the basketball coach. Excuse me. You lose to that team because <laughs> that idiot can outcoach your idiot. I love it, Terry. Terry's on the F coach tour. I love it. I saw this. You guys will get a chuckle out of this. Uh, let's see here. They, uh, there's a survey out there. Uh, SB Nation uh, reacts, a survey of fans uh, across Major League Baseball. They say, throughout the year, we ask questions of the most plugged-in Milwaukee Brewers fans. Let's see what they have to say. Here's the headline. Brewers react. Uh, Brewers react survey results. Majority of fans don't think that the team did enough in free agency. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> really? Gee, you don't say. Um, well, right now their three big league moves are Wade Miley, who if Wade Miley stays healthy, probably pencil him in as the fifth starter. Yeah. One year, four and a half million. Brian Anderson. One which, year, three and a half million. Depending on how the second and third base plays out, probably a depth piece. Yeah. Outside shot of being a starter. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was to a relief pitcher that, at best case, <laughs> will be healthy by halfway through the season. Those were the three hey. Those were the three big league contracts that they dished out. They have a couple minor de- uh, minor league deals. Uh, yeah, but those, those are minor league invites, which are not guaranteed. Luke Voigt led the majors in home runs in 2020. 
He go. had 22 dingers, led them all Which of the Which is majors. actually a really impressive feat since they only played in 60 games, and that was a two-month season, if you remember. Yeah, that dude was not scared of COVID. He's like, I'm going to go hit dingers in front of but nobody. That's the thing, though. Those are all minor league invite <laughs> contracts, so they're not guaranteed. So if the guy really doesn't make the team yeah. out of spring training, he either has to accept a AAA minor league deal, which is... A player of Lucas Voigt's caliber probably doesn't do that. Dude, Lucas Voigt at Rowdy in 56 games hit 22 dingers and batted 277. He slugged 610. And for people that oh, don't know buddy. who Luke, Lucas Voigt looks like, he kind of looks like the difference between Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelback. Yeah. He, he's he's, like a, he's, a, like he's a, good, a bigger broader chest thicker man yeah <laughs> the dude that that, that hit that hits home runs i think he's had like maybe two and a half good seasons the, in the big leagues i mean the dude hit 22 home runs in 56 games he's not gonna hit for a high average but he's gonna basically slug home runs and be a dh slash first baseman yeah and that's what the brewers got for a minor league little invite yeah now they also brought in which is this. another interesting guy on a, a minor league invite was Tyler Naquin. And Tyler <laughs> yeah. Naquin actually played corner outfield in Cleveland. I mean, he's bounced around. But he's a guy that is a serviceable big league player that could be in on that outfield rotation because there are so many question marks in right field. And my, you know what I have a huge question about? Where the hell is Keston here going to play? Are they Kestin finally going to get rid of him? Well, they're they're only going to play when the lefty is up to pitch rowdy because that's his biggest weakness. So they're going to put him out there, much like they did last season with Kestaddy. Yep. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out where because they haven't traded Keston here yet. Where is no, he? I just saw him on the Brewers' the social media. Yeah, where is over. where is he actually going to play? Now I know there's a question mark at second base, but they have a lot of like random depth pieces that can play second base, and you probably prefer their defense over Keston here, is no doubt. Mm. But he's not really going to play at first base a ton because you have Rowdy Telez. You could potentially have Lucas Voigt. You also have John Singleton, who they re-signed to a minor league yeah. contract. Like there's there's a lot of options at first base. And then you go to the corner outfield. Well, you know Yelich is going to be taking out uh, taking up left field. Winker is not a good defensive outfielder, but I'm sure he'll play a little bit of right or left when when Yelly is out. I don't is, know where Kestin is, is, is going to be. And Winker is probably going to be your... your we love you, Keston. You're probably your starting DH. I, I don't know where the hell he's going to play if he doesn't play corner outfield. Has, 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 uh, the, of all players that's been around for a, a couple of years now for the Brewers, has Kest, Keston here at Kestaddy been treated the most unfairly? Yeah, he's gotten a raw yeah. end of a lot of deals. But you look we at some you, of Kestin. the other guys that were brought in for, for uh, spring training invitees, whether they were in the minor leagues or they were a minor league signing. Mm. Alex Claudio, yep. old friend, lefty specialist. He's back. That, old, um, old friend. He's on a minor league deal, right? He's on. The, he's a minor league deal. But that's the thing. Lefty specialist. Those aren't really a thing anymore since they changed the rule. Yeah. That's why he's been looking for work ever since. Bring him <laughs> home. Monty, we did. Monty Harrison. Ooh, Monty. Strong name. Who was in the Christian Yelich deal that they originally had sent to Miami for Yelich. Yes, Brought yes, him back. Yes. He's found his way Bring back. Bring him home. Let's Bring not forget home. they got the JC Mejia, yeah. the guy that got popped for PEDs last year out of yeah. the bullpen. Yeah. He's just got to try harder. Uh, like I said, Tyler, I do like Tyler Naquin. Yeah. I think Tyler Naquin's got a real shot at making this team when you look at the outfield. Okay. Uh, well, 
you know, we'll get more into it as it progresses here. I just <laughs> want to get back to the, the, the topic where it started here. Um, as the Brewers React survey, majority of fans don't think the team did enough for free agency. No, duh. To only 20% of <laughs> Brewers fans, 20%, 20% of Brewers fans think the team did enough during free agency. Our guy Thick Chatter on Twitch says, boys, why does everyone think they have money to spend? They just shortchanged the ace of their team. What, what makes you think they have money to spend? They just told Corbin They're Burns he couldn't have an extra six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars over it $740,000. They shortchanged the guy around in the Cy Young. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a no-hitter. Combined no-hitter. Uh, I, I was talking with, well, Grant Bills and I were exchanging some uh, tweets. Some barbs. Because it was that we talked about this yesterday around this time. It was you know the New York Post put a story out about why the Brewers are a chic pick to win the World Series when it comes to betting. Yeah, we all kind of laughed at it. <laughs> Grant Bills reacted to it on my Twitter account, and then I Grant Bills never responded to one of my tweets, and it was a GIF of Larry David like being all shocked and confused. And it was me reacting to Grant Bills in the Wisco Sports Show defending uh, Craig Council of taking Corbin Burns out in the fourth inning after dealing a no no, and then it costing a Brewers win like. You know that's bound to happen. See, like I've defended Milwaukee to a to a point this offseason where I think a lot of their moves have been you know, okay. neutral moves or moves that actually made the team better. Mm-hmm. Like I think the winker for Colton Wong is like a lateral move. But it freed up second base for potentially a Bryce Terang to play. I think a lot of the depth pieces that they made, like whether it be a trade for Owen Miller or the signing of Brian Anderson, not the broadcaster, the baseball player, like all of those were depth moves that does make the team slightly better, but they didn't go out outside of now. William Contreras makes the catching position way better, especially from an offensive standpoint that they were last year. So the, the Contreras move makes the team way better. All the other moves they made, it makes the team ever so slightly better. And I almost <laughs> think from a standpoint of when you take into consideration, the three moves they made this off season are Wade Miley, who probably at best is penciled in as your fifth starter is Brian Anderson, who probably at best is penciled into a starting third base role. But I feel like Brewer fans probably wouldn't like that, but a depth piece you like that. And then a no, Justin no, Wilson, no, who's a depth piece in the bullpen for the second half of the season. That was their three big league signings. I almost like their minor league invite list of names as a whole for what they are better than I do like their actual big league signings. Like, I think they got more value in their minor league invitee list than they do with some of their signings, Rowdy, which is kind of funny. Are you about to be the biggest Nashville Sounds fan there is? Maybe some Biloxi Shuckers? Are you going to support the Sounds and the Shuckers and the Rattlers? Even the Mudcats over the Milwaukee Well, the Brewers? thing is, a lot of those guys they brought in on those type of deals are veterans that have maybe had some success in the big leagues or were big-time prospects. And if they don't make the team out of spring training... Go Sounds! They're not going to take a triple-A deal. They'll probably re-sign <laughs> oh, somewhere else. Oh, oh, way oh. to ruin that. I thought we were going to get like big time behind the Nashville Sounds. Like, <laughs> like hell yeah, here's a team that's like, championship Lu- caliber. Lucas Voigt is never going to stay in triple-A with the Brewers if he doesn't make the team out of spring training. Like That guy is clearly going to be a... F- He's going to elect free agency and sign somewhere else. Yeah. Let's see here. One day ago, Brewers, Luke Voigt agreed to minor league deal... 
They did let the majors in home runs in 2020. Just take that. 22 home runs. Is- the Sky Cave Retreat, dude. I'm telling you. I Listen, I this is up my... I like this kind of stuff. Like, not to the level of Aaron Rodgers. I'm not there yet. But give me a couple more, you know, psychedelics, maybe. It's a 300-square-foot room in which Rodgers spent his time in a partially underground structure devoid of light with a queen bed, mind you, a bathroom, and a meditation-like mat. It is fully powered, and the lights can be turned on from inside the room. So there you go. Now, I will say, now I'm not against it. Do what you want to get right. I probably wouldn't do it, and I feel like how I would go through this is probably sitting around a table with two other guys, maybe like a Rob Reichel and a Brett Favre and having some beer. Speaking of that, we got one of them here. We welcome in Brett Lorenzo Favre. Oh, even better, Rob Reichel. Hey, Robbie. Well, probably not even better, but uh, <laughs> to even be to even be linked in the same sentence with, with 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 the old gunslinger John Wayne, the legend is is uh, the ultimate compliment. Well, howdy, so Pilgrim. Yeah. Well, Rob, you know you are you are the gunslinger of sports media, Robbie. You are the man. Well, we we, we we do what we do what the we can. Doug, to, we do what we can, right? To hold the powers that be accountable for their actions. Uh, speaking of that. I know you've had a relationship with I'm going to jump right into it, Robbie. Conley Media, Forbes.com. My man, Rob Reichel on Twitter. I love Robbie. I'm going to jump right into it, Rob. You have had a relationship with this guy before. Bob McGinn, longtime reporter covering the Green Bay Packers, now with Go Long and Ty Dunn. What is with this report that the Packers are, quote, disgusted with Aaron Rodgers? What, what's your take on all this, Robbie? Yeah, you know, I worked for Bob and his website for three years, and and. and and Bob is the greatest journalist I've ever come across. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that he, he leaves no stone unturned. He's as well connected with anybody in the league, even, you know, even though he hasn't been around the Packers the last two or three years and, and technically he is in retirement, but he's still doing a lot of his football yeah. stuff and his, and his draft stuff is going to come up. So, I mean, he, I mean, any, anybody out there who says, Oh, Bob's retired, he's out of touch. I'll tell you right now, uh, Evo, you know that that that's off base. Bob, 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 Bob's as well connected in the league as anybody. So, you know, it, it's kind of the EF Hutton thing, right? When when <laughs> when Bob speaks, people should listen, and uh, we'll see how this all plays out. But I I am sure, you know, Bob's not going to just throw crap against the wall and hope some of it sticks. But you know, Bob Bob's sources are good. Uh, Bob Bob lived in Green Bay for forty plus years, raised a family there. He knows everybody in town. Um, the way you guys know everybody in Madison and I know everybody where I live, et cetera, et cetera. It's a small town. I'm, he, he's still extremely well connected and, and obviously somebody very close uh, to the situation told him, you know, and used that term disgusted and that, you know, and that, that kind of drags back Evo to, to, to what you just started the, 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 the show with today, right? You know, Rogers being off in his darkness retreat and, and Rogers not showing up in, in the off season and green Bay, not knowing and, you know, May, June, July, exactly what they have uh, out of Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers coming off an eight and nine season where where he had arguably the worst year of of his career. And you know, the report was, you know, again that that was obviously the 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 word and the line that stole the headlines was disgusted that the Packers are disgusted with him. But but the, you know, yeah. the the the, the, lar- the larger picture there by far is that. They're ready to see the they're ready to see the 24 year old guy at Jordan Love versus the 40 year old guy or almost soon to be 40 Aaron Rodgers just just to see what the young guy can do and and Brian Gutekunst as we all know right three three years ago about this time traded up in the draft for 
Jordan Love wants to see if the guy can play. They they believe internally that that it's time that he took this enormous jump from year two to three, much like Aaron Rodgers did, guys. You know, back from that you know oh seven oh eight range when he took over for Brett Favre, he was in the midst of making a a major jump in his career too, and. And, and and you guys know this, the, the parallels are remarkable, right? Both quarterbacks, 24 years old. If, if you break down their numbers for the first three years in the league, you know, they both sat for three years. Rodgers obviously behind Favre, now Love behind Rodgers. If you look at their numbers for the first three years, they each threw similar amount of passes. The passer rating is similar. I, I, think, I think Love's passer rating is about 80 for his first three years. Aaron's was 73. You know, Aaron threw one touchdown, one pick. Love's at three touchdowns, three picks. I mean, the numbers are scary. The numbers are eerie. And I'm not sitting here by any means, Debo, telling you Jordan Love is going to be Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. But I think they believe in the building he can be a top 12 level type of quarterback. And if that's the case, and now you're paying him, let's say, 25 million instead of 50 for Aaron, and you can build one heck of a football team around there and, and, and save that level of money, that, that could be the path for them you know, moving forward to try to win football games and, and, and get back to the top of the conference. Hmm. Do you think, Rob, if they decide to move on from Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love comes in and, and plays really good and say he's a top 10 quarterback, do you think the, the league will take notice of what the Packers have done on the last few quarterbacks and the success that they'd had? Obviously, they have to pinpoint the talent, but the fact that they can sit them for three years and develop them, where you see a lot of these guys get thrown to the wolves right away and they struggle. If you don't have like the Andrew Lux of the world that come in and, and can play right away, a lot of those guys come in and struggle and they're on bad teams. Well, really the pattern that I think other organizations should have taken note of, and, and, and your question is a, a great one there, Nelly. Uh, the, the pattern that others should have taken note of, note of is the Ron Wolf way of, of you know, taking a quarterback pretty much in every draft and, and, and certainly every other at, at, at worst-case scenario. You think back to, to what, what Wolf did, right, with, with, with the Mark Brunels and the, and the Ty Detmers and the Matt Hasselbacks and the Aaron Brooks. I mean, he was, and, and, and those are the guys that hit. He, he had several, you know, the Ronnie McCadas of the world that, that missed as well. You know, but, but Ron Wolf was taking a quarterback every year somewhere between, let's call it rounds three and seven or something like that, and just, and just hoping it, it, it would work out. Um, you know, heck, I think Detmer was even a 10th or an 11th round pick when the draft was, was was that many rounds when when Wolf started as Green Bay's GM? Um, yeah, Nelly, if you think about it, over the last twenty years, the only two quarterbacks taken in the first round that sat for three years were Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. And Jordan Love could go to four years if somehow Rodgers comes back and and they don't move Jordan Love in a trade. And and I'll be honest, I think if if, if Rodgers does wind up back with the Packers, Love's people are going to ask for a trade, and he's probably in a different uniform next year. And that and that obviously is a big part of this entire you know equation that that the Packers are trying to figure out here in the next two or three weeks before the new league year starts. I mean they they they've, they've got to get this stuff figured out, guys, by March fifteenth when when the new year, uh, the new league year begins. So um, Nelly, Nelly, your point is outstanding. I would have yeah, thought no. by now, somebody else in the league would have kind of adopted that philosophy and, and, and maybe gone that way. But, but again, you know, you, you look at Kansas city, right? They, they, they took Mahomes to groom behind a guy like Alex Smith and just, they knew right away, right after a but year. Like you're saying, hey, he didn't play right away. He didn't come in. He didn't come in and play right away. Alex Smith played, and then right. they, they right. groomed him through. He didn't come out and play 
snap that one, was, week correct. one, he had time to sit. But I feel like it's easier when you're the Chiefs or the Packers where you have a successful quarterback to play them and you have success on the field to sell it to the fan base where it's like well, some of these lions or Browns. It's like the fans need to see this guy play because the other quarterbacks are so bad. Your team is terrible. That's their hope. Well, and I think what you'll see green Bay do, if they do move on from Aaron Rodgers, and, and let's just say they get whatever a first and a fourth or something like that, you know, green Bay's already sitting there with pick 15. If they get the jets pick or the Raiders pick something like that, you know, you're looking at another pick probably in that range where you'd have a couple in that you know, range, let's say between 12 and 18 or something like that. I could see them taking another first round quarterback at worst, a second round quarterback, number one, to cover their tails. If love doesn't work out, you know, number two, another guy there to potentially groom. And then you make a decision down the road, whether you want to go with love or whoever that second quarterback is that they would potentially draft uh, this year. You, you remember back in 08 when Rodgers took over for Favre, they used the second-round pick right away on Brom, and then they used the seventh-rounder that year you know, on, on Matt Flynn. And, and Brom didn't work out, Flynn did, and they were – you know, they were able to get themselves a really capable backup for a few years with Matt Flynn and, and eventually Flynn you know, earned himself a lot of money with that contract to Seattle where he was beat out, we, as we know, by Russell Wilson. But they're, they're going to cover themselves at that position regardless, Nelly, because everybody in that building understands just how important that position is. They've taken the path, you know, uh, for the most part where, where they have no problem investing high picks in it, even when they have a Hall of Famer on the roster. And I, I think that's a terrific way to do business because... Because, you know, we all all know, I I mean, I remember talking to Ron Wolf at various times, guys, when when they'd have a team coming in and, you know, in the the late 90s, for example, and and the Packers were not great at that point in time. It wasn't quite the same level of a roster as the Super Bowl teams were. You know, and and Wolf said, you know, I I remember specifically like in 01 when Baltimore came in. And, and Wolf told me, he, he, he said, they're probably better than us at 15 of 22 spots on the roster, but we have Brett Favre. Well, guess what? Green Bay won the game that day because they had Brett Favre. I mean, that, that's how important the quarterback position is. You can, you, know, you, you can be substandard at tight end. You can be substandard at, at inside linebacker. You can be mediocre at safety. But if you have a Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers on the roster, it's usually going to make up for a lot of sins. And they're going to cover their butts on, you know, on that as the quarterback position, guys, you know, whether, whether they move on from Rodgers or not. That I, 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 you know, if they move on from Rodgers um, you know, and, and go with love, that they're going to get themselves um, a, another high-level backup, or they're going to at least attempt to with, I think, a, a really high draft pick. So, Robbie, all right, uh, Rob Rice is joining us right now, our guy, Forbes.com, Conley Media, God's gift to sports writing. Robbie, what's your gut telling you? Derek Carr met with the New York Jets. They said if he signed with them, they could make him a Hall of Famer, uh, You know, put him in a Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. Rodgers been linked to the Jets, obviously. What's uh, What happens with Aaron Rodgers, in your opinion? I know we're all kind of on the same wavelength that we don't think he's playing for the Packers. What What do you think happens now as the weeks continue to tick by? Well, you know, you, you saw some of the reports coming out with with Carr saying it could be a long process. And, and when you read between the lines there, as, as you know, Ebo, you know what that means? It means he hasn't gotten an offer worth a darn yet, and that's and that and that's why it could be a, a long process. And um, you know, I, I think these other teams, the Raiders of the world, the Jets, like, you know, let, 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 let's say Tennessee, Washington, whoever it might be, uh, the dark horses that could get in the mix here uh, for a guy like like Aaron Rodgers. They're going to wait this out. He, he's option one. There, there, there's no question. Derek Carr is you know is is option number two. So. 
Um, you know, Green Bay right now is obviously, you know, doing all the work to find themselves a trade partner. Um, and, and I think they're going to have multiple teams in the mix here that are coming at them with offers and, and they can play them off each other. But, but time is ticking and, and I think things will pick up and intensify dramatically in the next, in the next week or so, Evo, you know, the combine starts on, uh, it runs pretty much from Sunday to Sunday, starting, you know, here in, in a few days on the 26th and then it runs for a week. All the general managers are in town together. They all run around together that, you know, they're, they're watching the same guys. A lot of stuff happens at, at places like that in meetings like that. And, you know, it, it, it can happen at 2 a.m. at St. Elmo's Steakhouse, a wonderful place to dine <laughs> in downtown Indianapolis, right? Where, where, where Brian Gutekunst and, 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 and whatever, right? Uh, the, 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 the Redskins or, or sorry, the Commanders or, um, you know, the, the Raiders or the Jets, you know, he can come to a deal with them maybe in the, in the middle of the night on something like this. So I would expect a lot maybe breaks after the Indianapolis Combine, which again runs all of next week. And, and, and again, because the Packers are up against the clock here, they've got to figure some stuff out quickly with Rodgers because they've got all these other dominoes then that, that are going to need to fall into place financially, right? What do you do with Bakhtiari, for example? What do you do with, with Preston Smith? They've already taken care of Aaron Jones and, and restructured that contract. There's going to be more like that. That, that they have to go ahead and get done. But but the first thing they obviously have to take care of is Aaron Rodgers, that money on the books. Where is Aaron going to be next year? And then they can move ahead, I guess, you know, kind of with their financial game plan and blueprint for 2023. So quickly, what are your thoughts on the report that came out yesterday? I believe it was Tom Pelissero and yeah. maybe another guy where they were saying the Packers want him back and it's just if Aaron Rodgers wants to play or not. I think what the, you know, obviously Green Bay is going to say things like that at this point in time, Nelly. They, they're not going to, they're not going to leak word to anybody that they don't want him back because it obviously puts a chink in his trade value. And that's the last, you know, the Packers aren't going to slit their own throats on that one. They're obviously too smart to, to do something like that. I am of the belief that, you know, it's internally there that they, they want to see what, what the next, chapter of Green Bay Packer football looks like. And, they, and that's going to be a chapter with Jordan Love. Again, the general manager um, fell in love with this guy. Not only did he draft him in round one with a Hall of Famer on the roster, and, and obviously, as we know, you know he, he kind of turned over that apple cart and got Aaron all riled up. Now, it led to a couple MVPs along the way for Aaron, so it wasn't such a horrible move, uh, even if Love doesn't work out because it kind of reinvigorated Rodgers' career. But now they want to see what, what a 24-year-old Jordan Love can do, a guy who took a dramatic step from year two to three, a guy who was absolutely outstanding when he came in in that Philadelphia game uh, in, in late November and almost rallied them back against the team that, that ended up winning the NFC. Um, Brian Gutekunst's worst fear is to trade Jordan Love to a team like Atlanta or New Orleans or Carolina or whatever it turns out to be and watch him become a pro bowler there and watch Aaron Rodgers go into retirement in 12 months. And Green, Bay is, and Green Bay is sitting there with no quarterback. So real quick, just to just end it, Nelly, I know you got to go. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't make a lot of that, rep- uh, uh, take a lot of credence in that report. I, I still think Rodgers is somewhere else next year. Robbie, man, we love you, dude. I know you got to go. I see what you're trying to do, Rob. You're trying to put off shoveling your driveway and your sidewalk. I get it. I, I, I would love <laughs> to keep on talking, that, that too. I am doing. Can, can I, I, I know I'm you're putting it off. Hour? Hey, well, hey, how about this? When you're done, come down to Madison and do it. go to Madison's north side. I'll, tell you, I'll show you where my house is. You can do it for me, and I'll take you out to lunch. How's that sound? 
No, no, no school again, I assume, over in Madison, right? Well, of course not, Rob. Come on, buddy. Yeah, real, 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 real tough folks in that school district. <laughs> hey, Rob, before I let you go, the Bubble Badgers. What are we thinking? Big win last night over Fran McCaffrey and the Iowa Hawkeyes. What are we thinking about March Madness Selection Sunday just 17 days away? Got to close it out two and one, right? Yep. I mean, you got to get to got to get to five hundred. So that means you got to win at Michigan or you got to win at home against Purdue. You, obviously, you should beat Minnesota. Can you steal one at home against Purdue? I mean, why not, right? I mean, let's hey, get nuts. You you, you 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 know me, and 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 every game, you know, my favorite Badger since Sam Decker, Connor Asijan gets better and better, right? <laughs> <laughs> run, this, run this bad boy through Connor. Robbie, I know how to get, uh, to get out of shoveling. Just tell the missus that you're doing four days of darkness retreat starting right now, okay? And you might want to go get a little World Series ticket on the Brewers because there was an article saying they are the dark horse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know I read somewhere the other day that uh, Christian Yelich is in a good frame of mind. And he, he, yeah, he he's, went ready to re- he's ready to return to form, guys. Yeah. Yeah, Rob. Rob, you're always in form. Forbes.com, Conley Media. We love you, buddy. Darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Confirmed, Aaron Rodgers out of the darkness. Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness retreat, according to the owner of the facility in the Southern Oregon, in Southern Oregon, excuse me, where the Packers quarterback spent the past several days and nights. Rowdy, look this up. It is called. I already have it up. I don't want you to look at it too. SkyCaveRetreats.com I have it up right here. SkyCaveRetreats.com I can give you a little... Here's the little synopsis of it all. Uh, you have an hour orientation, which they'll walk the land, get you situated, review your meal plan. Dude! Run through the day-to-day, yes? You did this? This is hilarious. You were here? When you were on vacation, Ben and I, I Googled You did it in a darkness retreat? I... No, we oh. we Googled it because we're like, how much do these places cost? And I went on like three or four different yeah, You found it? This was one that I went on. I recognized the picture. How much was it? I, I don't think this one had a price, at least not oh, one that I found. But that's one of the, if you got to ask, you can't afford it type situations. Like the cheapest one I found was like 1200 bucks. The other ones were like up to 2700 Hey, if someone wants to pay me $1,200, I'll go stick in my basement for four days I and turn the lights like off. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is doing more of the 2700s and not the 1200s. I feel like whatever the most expensive one is, that's the one. <laughs> give, me the, give me the nicest. All right, here's your day-to-day. With the exception of us coming to tend to your material needs once a day from outside your room, you will be totally undisturbed in the darkness until the end of your retreat. Uh, basic needs they tend to are food delivery. You get two organic meals a day. Stocking the wood stove in the winter and also giving you an opportunity to let us know if you need any additional support. Uh, we bring both uh, meals through a double door. There is pure and filtered mountain water on tap. The dark retreat cottages do an amazing job of retaining heat and providing uh, insulation, thus moderating uh, your temperature. Uh, let's see here. If you feel the need for additional support, we are here for you. You see where it's located? It's where is it? Thirty minutes outside of Ashland, Oregon. Oh, or I guess Oregon. Yeah, Oregon, not Oregon here in Wisconsin. Uh, let's see here. Integra- integration from the dark can be a very delicate process. I can't believe this was one of the websites I actually. Yeah, this this is it. This on. is the one. We are typically recommend starting with three to five days in darkness with one full day to settle in upon arriving and one full day to integrate after emerging from the dark. You can do a retreat up to 40 days? Who would want to sit in the dark for 40 days? How much would that cost? 
Again, again, it's like a ZJ. If you've got to ask, you can't afford it, I think. Typically, most uh, people find that they sleep more or less for the first 24 to 48 hours. As the day continues to unfold, they tend to find that they need less and less sleep. And many eventually find that they either do not sleep at all or are only sleeping one to two hours a night. A heightened sensitivity and the opening of the subconscious can naturally begin to arise as early as the third day of the retreat and continue to intensify as the retreat progresses. This is due to different neurochemical reactions that occur from various glands and hormones being both suppressed and or or stimulated from the light deprivation and the simple nature of the dark and solitude. I did find some testimonies on their website. Wow. Does Rogers have a testimony yet? No. Oh. Scott says, the dark has become my most beloved teacher and a space where I am in an ever-deepening connection with eternity. I tend to spend the majority of my time laying down, welcoming all that appears as I soften and rest into the simplicity of being. Well, thank you, Scott. Now, Jill says... Oh, well, yeah, tell us what Jill says. Let's get the female perspective. The closest thing I can come up with relating the dark retreat is being in the process of labor and giving birth to new life. That sounds painful. It, of course, is not the same, but there are many similarities. The challenge of meeting each intense moment is there. The overwhelming waves are there. The unfolding mystery is there. What feels like grace is there. What feels like primordial mother space holding us all is there. Cool. It's incredibly sounds profound awesome. and hard to, rely, uh, hard to relay the experience in just simple words. Thank you, Jill. Very profound. Any other testimonies that... Are good I'm going to look to see if we have some more diverse. Yeah, we have. I want to. I want testimonies from everyone, Rowdy. So she compares it to child labor, waves of spirituality. Charlie looks like oh, an interesting guy. Is this our Charlie or is it a different Charlie? It's a different Charlie. Is it I E or E Y? I quickly found in the experience that once you deprive yourself of light, technology, and all those things we are so addicted to. You very quickly, easily go inside yourself. Ooh. I saw myself viewing, feeling, and seeing things of the past that I had completely forgotten about. Sick. Uh, using a different set of eyes. I also found my meditations were the brightest they had ever been in my life. Sweet. I saw so much inner light inside that at times inner light. I would question what I was seeing was actually in the room. Sounds like he was. This guy's tripping balls, yeah. dude. This guy's Overall, tripping. without a doubt, this experience was life-changing. How about we do one more since... Yeah, one more. Weirdly enough, we have a, a lot of listener names on these testimonies. We do. We have Charlie, Scott, Scott. Charlie. And how about this? Since 820, he'll be joining us. Robbie. Oh, Rob. <laughs> Robbie. Rob. Is his last name R? Is it sort of R? Yeah, is it Rob it R? It just says first name. Ah, damn. Look a little different. The dark retreat itself was a grueling experience where you're bound to find your edge daily. Sick. There's a lot of fear wrapped up when you can't see your environment. I was attracted to the experience to try for a reset to reduce my addiction to technology. The dark retreat experience coupled with the fresh air, giant cedar trees, waterfalls, fresh soil, and empty community uh, felt very healing. This is very appealing to me as a way to live and change my perspective of what I want in my future. Sounds kind of cool, actually. Sounds pretty badass, Rowdy. Hey, if anyone wants to pay, what do you think Rogers at a high end, like $2,700 for this? Probably. If anyone wants to pay $2,700, I will gladly find five grams of mushrooms, make you eat it, put a blindfold on, and you can walk around my backyard. There's some trees back there. It's fenced in. You won't get lost. I'll I'll do that. I'll give you a deal. $2,000. I'll say this, You want to do it, Rowdy? The... 
the outdoor landscape and like the buildings of this place. They look kind of cool. It's like yeah, a cool no, setting. The setting's really cool. It's like in the middle of the woods in, in, the, in the forest of Oregon. Now, that being said, man, I can't believe they have organic yeah, mattresses. Organic mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> and it also had to mess in or, organic food. Well, yeah, I mean, I eat organic. I don't have. A, I don't think I have an organic mattress. I don't yeah, think I ever thought of that. list it. Oh, well, you got to listen for the hippie people. just say food provided. Dude, go to about and you can see the people that run it. If that's not the definition of new age hippie, I don't know what is. <laughs> I think I could buy five grams of mushrooms off these guys right now. Hot bath, sink, and flushing hey, how toilet. How much is an eighth? What? Hot bath, sink, and flushing toilet. Ooh, a flushing toilet. Okay. I'm glad that you had to put in flushing toilet. Now, and what Rob said he was addicted to technology in his testimonial. I would say a flushing toilet is being addicted to technology. Like, that's, you know, he's, he's got to be crapping in a pit. Well, people have been addicted. To we need pl- him. People have been addicted to plumbing for quite some time. We need him dumping in a pit. Okay. All right. Take a listen to what some of these people had to say after their experience. I can't wait for the Aaron Rodgers one to hit. Nothing like that in the whole, whole universe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that guy turned into the Joker. After his four days retreat. You know how I got these scars? I went around four days in a room and pitch dark trying to eat something. Yeah, I thought about it. And if I had to do four days in the darkness, I kind of like with some of the testimonials that we read from the website, I feel like your first 24 hours, you're going to get a lot of good sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They said for the first 24 to 48 hours, you're sleeping a lot. I feel and like after your, that, your first day, you're going to have a lot of sleep and just kind of hanging out, doing whatever. But the, it would be the next three days where it's like. Yeah, they said that's where like, you don't even sleep at all. You start tripping balls. Yeah. Then what happens? Here's another testimonial. This morning, I was like so happy about coming out, but like so scared. It's like the safest container I've ever experienced. So it's like nervous to leave it. You know? No, I don't, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't. I don't. Here's another guy talking about his experience. Just being suspended, kind of in that infinite void of, it, it's just, it's nothing. It's, it's, nothing is there. You know, your physical body is, is gone. <laughs> this, this sounds wild. Like, it's, it's trippy. It's supposed to simulate... Uh, DMT, which DMT, uh, when you hear people having near-death experiences and they say their life flashes before the, uh, their eyes and they're flooded with all kinds of memories, that's DMT uh, releasing in your pineal gland in your brain. So it's a naturally occurring thing that happens in near-death experiences. It all happens. It's the active ingredient in the ayahuasca plant, which Aaron Rodgers drank. Uh, well, the, the ayahuasca is the tea. And then there's a, a toad that also secretes DMT that's like in the desert. So you heard the licking toad thing. That's where that comes from. Uh, DMT also can be chemically or uh, made in a lab and broken down as well. It's it, In fact, it used to be legal up until 2002. And then you could buy vats of it. And now it is now illegal. Still doesn't stop people. But this is the all natural approach. So, Rowdy, enough of Rogers tripping. Oh, there, there's one guy actually that does have a testimonial. Darkness is your ally. He came out a little different than everyone else, though. The dark. This guy came I a little was mean. Born in it, molded by it. 
He spent his whole life in the dark. Though. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but blinding. He he was one of the failure stories of Sky Cave Retreat, Rowdy. Uh, he ended up with uh, the League of Shadows, and it didn't really work out for them in Gotham. So he, he was one of the failures of the retreat. Now, Aaron Rodgers, he can be seen as a villain, much like Bane, who failed at Sky Cave Retreats. Now, Bane did take down two football teams at one time. He did. So that was a big-time game, too. I mean, the National Anthem was playing, and then Bane came out, and uh, I think Heinz Ward was also in one of those teams, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure it was actually the Steelers and Jets, but they had different names. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was copyright issues were involved there, or some trademark issues. But, yes, Bane did not do too well at Sky Cave Retreats. Uh, We'll see what Aaron Rodgers does. But Aaron Rodgers, though... So Bob McGinn had come up with a story last week that the Packers are disgusted, just disgusted, and want to move on with Aaron Rodgers. They're, they're done with them. Throw, like yesterday's newspaper, throw them in the trash. Uh, there's a little different take of this now. Uh, Tom Pelissero was on the Rich Eisen show. Don't you feel like, though, if you're the Packers, like... I feel like disgusted might be a strong word. That's what Bob McGinn used, disgusted. Yeah, I know, but me personally, I feel like disgusted might be a strong word. Like you might, hey, your quarterback's going into four days of darkness. You know, he was just on a South American trip last summer. You might roll your eyes and be like, oh, that's that's Aaron being Aaron. And roll your eyes and be like, whatever. But I feel like you would much rather have your player doing something like this than being brought up like, on like drug charges or gun charges. Like going to the club and getting caught with a gun and, you know, drugs and, you know, DUI. Like this or, is his own personal thing yeah. where it's like, yeah, it's, self, like, it's a little out there, but, you know, whatever, he's not hurting anyone. Like Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show, he's going to whine about this relentlessly, like later today, I guarantee it, about Aaron Rodgers. It, it's literally the dude's personal life. Like if he wants to get his. And here's the thing psychedelics. Uh, as well as meditation and things like this are a huge play in mental health. Like this, if you're struggling with mental health, uh, I would recommend getting into meditation and getting comfortable with yourself as Aaron Rodgers. This is great for being one with yourself. It's a great thing to do. So people rip it on them. You don't know what you're talking about. It's, I would suggest trying it. So, like, I'm not talking about doing DMT, but start with meditation first. But yes, I feel it's like it is probably a strong word for Could they be frustrated? Say if he's not working sure. out like he was before, cause he's doing these things. Yeah. I could see that where you're, maybe you're questioning the dedication because it's no longer him working out and getting ready for the NFL season, but mentally trying to get him. So I could see like maybe annoyed. I feel like disgusted is a strong word. Yeah, I'm going to play a little bit of this rich Eisen and Tom Pelissero interview here. Let's see if uh, you get going here. Out, decision, all that business. What do you got for me? I think at this point, the next thing that I'm going to confidently speak on is when Aaron Rodgers tells the Packers what the hell he wants to do. Honestly, everything up until then is very much on Aaron's own schedule. He's made clear that there are very few people who really know exactly what he's doing at any given moment. What I would say is that despite, you know, whatever reports are coming out on a daily basis and speculation, the first move here belongs to Aaron Rodgers. The Packers cannot trade him if he doesn't want to be traded. He would need to sign a revised contract to allow Green Bay to facilitate a trade. He also could simply say, I'm not going. If they try to trade him to someplace he doesn't want to go, I'll retire. I'm not showing up. So they would have to work through that together. If he wants to return to Green Bay, the Packers 
And as long as he's fully bought in, the Packers want him back. They had good conversations after the season. He is still, you know, down the stretch last season. He played at a high level. I'm just going to pause right there. Again, Tom Pelissero saying the Packers want him back. Well, I think the biggest thing for me when looking at this entire situation is Rodgers, remember when we talked about outside of LeBron James, Rodgers has probably wiggled his way into having the most power against the man, against the organization as anyone else has in sports. If anyone's ever beaten the man, Rodgers has come the closest besides LeBron James. And he really does hold a lot of power because he's now wiggled his way into, you know, I might play, I might not play. He's aging, so clearly that's a legit question that he's got to answer but at the same time he got that huge contract with him with all of that money and a lot of guaranteed money where he can kind of use the Carson Palmer approach and say well if I don't like it well then I'll just retire yeah and his contract is still theirs so if he retires all the guaranteed money coming up they still owe him which is a pretty big chunk for a guy that's not playing and then at the same time, it's like, well, if you trade me, because if the Packers do want to move on, because logically, I think this is probably the last season that Green Bay would even want to hold on to him just financially. If he's not 100 percent committed, mm-hmm. it would be probably smartest to trade him now because he could probably still get a first round pick. Yeah. But well, if he doesn't like it, he can also just threaten the retirement thing. So it's got to be yeah, a Rogers team that he likes. Po- got he's got a ton of power. He's got a hand. He's got a hand. And to this day. I'm still at 50-50. I so, have no idea what's going to happen. So, well, I don't think anyone does besides Aaron Rodgers. So, especially after four days of darkness. So Aaron Rodgers, uh, news on him also. So you have the Bob McGinn side of things saying the Packers are disgusted and want to move on with him. You have Tom Pelissero saying, no, 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 no. The Packers want him back. It's all on Rodgers. And then you have Jeff Darlington. He is an ESPN NFL reporter. This is what he had to say yesterday involving Aaron Rodgers, who's also, as he proclaims, in the know. Let's, let's uh, play there. I've had I've learned two things in the past 24 hours that make me kind of believe that the Jets, it's time for them to simply sign Derek Carr. The first of which is a conversation I had with a very important Green Bay Packers source who quite honestly believes that Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers and that all of this is being overhyped. He looks mm. at the contract that Aaron Rodgers signed last year, the commitment that he gave to the team, and believes that at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers. There's another bit of information and that is the impeccably sourced uh, report from Diana Rossini talking about that the Jets told Derek Carr in his meeting that they believe that with the Jets, he will be a Hall of Famer. Okay? That's funny. If that's not just total BS, if they're just not trying to inflate him, which maybe that is the case, go sign Derek Carr right now. You're potentially waiting on a guy in Aaron Rodgers who might or might not be available when you have a guy who is just in your building who you believe will be a Hall of Fame quarterback as a New York Jets player. All right, so there you go. There's two things going on right here. There's there's one, Bob McGinn, who says his sources, and uh, as I quote, his instincts. And then there's ESPN, Jeff Darlington, talking about Dan Rossini and their impeccable sources, saying that Rodgers, close to the situation, is going to be back. You have uh, Tom Pelissero saying the same thing, Rodgers going to be back, who all have people close to it and are in big-time jobs. Or you have Bob McGinn, who says, trust me, bro. Trust me, bro. You know who I'm really curious to know what they think? Adam Schefter. (laughs) 
Schefter. What's and then throw Ian Rapoport in there too. No, no, no. I want to hear what Adam Schefter has to say because then I'll go with the opposite. Yeah, because he has been off the last two years with well, Aaron Rodgers. How about uh, uh, Mark Schlereth? You want to see what he has to say? Because remember, he yeah, said he was certain that he was a Denver Bronco. Now, that ended up coming out to that there were trade talks with San Francisco <laughs> and there were trade talks potentially with Denver, but nothing. It, it was very brief. It was like, hey, what do you think about it this? It sounded like he would have bet his entire life savings on Rodgers being a Bronco. In but that, that video we had. That didn't come to fruition. And now I think you can rule out Denver as a trade partner in general after the signing well, of Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson and, yeah. and that contract. But. San Francisco needs a quarterback. Hey, Brock Purdy's set back with his uh, his arm injury, and Tom Brady's retired. <laughs> and Jimmy G is going to be a free yeah, he's agent. He's a free agent. And you have Trey Lance, who's still not 100% with his ankle, and there's a lot of question marks about him going forward. Now, again, this all hinges on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I just played you some testimonials from the Sky Cave retreat of people saying how they came out a completely changed individual. So Aaron Rodgers could have went in one idea, came out a whole different man. Is it weird if I disagree with you that it doesn't hinge on Rodgers? It hinges on love. Because I know with I know that Rodgers holds a lot of Aaron Rodgers. What he wants to do? I think it he holds a lot of the power. But I also think that if they truly believe in love, they'll find the trade partner to pick up the the draft capital. But the biggest thing is how good do they actually think love is? They're never going to actually tell anybody. Because they don't want to give up any leverage. If they think love is good, then it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has got to, you know, give his decision. I mean, th- they gave him what a three-year deal essentially of all this money, and not for just one year, right? Like, why? But would, that's the why biggest would they thing that doesn't contract? make sense is why they would have re re signed that new deal because clearly it said I mean, we both, think you're good and we we like you here. Yeah, they both were committed. It seemed signing that contract for more than one year. So uh, maybe that tells you a little bit about they think of Jordan. Love. Now looking at looking at all the contracts and everything, this is probably the last year where Green Bay can manipulate and restructure and and maybe cut one or two guys where it's not like you're cutting a bunch of really good players. You're still a really competitive team. And if Rodgers comes back and is is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL again, you're going to be right in the thick of things in the NFC. But after this year, if you continue to to do the the way of business that they've been doing, continuing to restructure, continuing to sign these guys, continuing to kick the contracts down the road. After next year, you're going to have to start cutting like good players, like yeah. good players where it's really going to affect your roster. Yep. So if they, if they do keep Rogers and they continue to kick the contracts down the road, they better go all in. We better not have as a, as an organization in green Bay, $10 million left under the cap like they were last year at the end of the season, they better bring that thing right up to as close to zero okay, so as possible it, it, to, to get as many players to surround this team. I got Corey Marshall also bring up a good point. He says Rogers has a full non-trade clause. He can veto anything. So yeah, Rogers also has a no trade clause that he could lift at his own decision. So, you know, now I've seen conflicting reports same. on that. Some just, are saying that he does. Some he are didn't. saying he doesn't. Now, I'm, now everything I'm reading there, the Rogers this one right here. Rodgers doesn't have a no-trade clause. Next article. Rodgers has a no-trade clause. What we need is the real contract. Brian Gutekunst needs to fax it over to yeah, us. Yeah, PDF'd and put out on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, if you could do us a solid, Goody, if you could do us a solid, you just, you know, you go to your uh, your scanner, put it on the PDF, put it on Twitter. We'll take it from there, all right? Benjamin? 
morning. Hello. Might as well just say what you DM'd me. Oh. Good morning. Uh, Bill, Bill's done extensive contract oh, yeah. reading. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, he said, there's no no trade clause, but he could threaten to retire, which does the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Rowdy said that multiple times. Uh, right here. I'm looking at an article from a couple days ago. Rodgers has a no trade clause that he could lift at his own discretion. Then the next article says the exact opposite. Again, Brian Gutekunst held us out with the contract.